Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. In today's episode, we'll speak with Dale Kay, who wrote a book about a book, the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, studying the big book from a secular perspective with Dale Kay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Uh, I am here today with uh, Dale Kay, and uh, Dale and I are going to be talking about the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Dale, how you doing? Good. How are you, John? I'm doing excellent. Having a very nice day. Um, been looking forward to this conversation. It's actually been a topic I've been thinking about for a long time. In fact, I've you could say I've been thinking about it for years. Um, you know, <laughs> I think the big book... Um, I have I have an interesting relationship with the big book. Um, it's probably the one book that that I've read more than any other piece of literature in my life, and that's not anything I'm necessarily proud of, but it's just just how it turned out for me. You know, when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous and getting when I was getting sober, I was um, I was shocked at at deni- at the denial that I had about my drinking and about my alcoholism, and um, I wanted to find out what was wrong with me. And, um, so I wanted to get this book and I wanted to figure it out. And I was a little disappointed when I got the book because it seemed like, um, they weren't really giving me a clear cut instruction of what to do. Um, it took me a while to understand the sharing from experience, but, um, I I found that I I thought I was going to take that book by myself and I was going to go through it and I was going to work the steps and I found that I couldn't by myself, and so I got a sponsor that took me through it. And I went through a group. I went to a group that took the big book pretty seriously, and um, we studied it line by line, page by page. And I read it repeatedly, um, and I went through the steps that way. And that's how I took other people through the steps. But then something yeah. happened a few years ago. I I uh, realized I was an atheist, and um, I took another look at the big book from the perspective of an atheist. And um, it was a very interesting experience. I went through it again, line by line, and I tried to make sense of it as a non-believer. And I found it surprisingly easy for me to do. I was very comfortable. There were sections of it I had to rewrite completely, and there were other sections where I just had to cross out certain lines to, or, or, you know, to make them work for me. So um, anyway, so I took my new perspective to my old home group, and it wasn't accepted. And uh, people were began using the big book <clears throat> as a weapon against me. And it got to the point where I was sick of the big book. I, I couldn't even stand to hear it read. Um, and that, and I didn't touch it for a while. Um, but now after having our agnostic group for three years with a lot of newcomers who've never read the big book and don't, don't really have an appreciation for what, what AA is and the history of AA, I'm starting to understand that the big book is literature that is important for somebody in Alcoholics Anonymous to know whether they're a believer or not. And I wanted to talk to you, Dale, because I have a sense that you've, you shared this feeling with me, and you've written a study guide for the big book for secular people. So why don't you share a little bit about how you feel about the big book and, and what, you're do- what you're doing today with it? Okay. Uh, well, I've, I've sort of uh, come at the big book Somewhat like you, but uh, I, I was in a different position when I got here. I was, I was very much an atheist when I got here. Uh, you know, a lot of people took pity on me for that. 
and somebody bought me the big book and I looked at it and I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. Uh, I was very much kind of rebellious about AA in general because although I knew I was an alcoholic, I had known I, I was an alcoholic for a long time, I did not believe that drinking was my problem. I thought I was just a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of anxiety and stuff when I first got here, and um, the wife I ha- my wife I had at the time was, you know, threatening to take action and um, possibly have me committed and stuff like that. Uh, but I got here kind of like a roundabout way. I was I, I didn't have much money back then. This was like the um, 1980, I guess. And um, I decided to seek some mental help. And I went to this uh, county-operated mental health facility, uh, which would be free for me. And they told me that I needed to stay sober for 60 days before I could come back and begin treatments. And so that's how I got to AA. I didn't really want to be sober. I had no interest in getting up drinking, uh, in spite of the fact that, I mean, I knew I was an alcoholic long, long before I ever got to AA. I mean, it was, it was no great secret that, that I couldn't control my drinking. Uh, I normally passed out every night. I rarely went to bed. You know, I just passed out wherever I was. Yeah. But, um, anyway, um, I struggled a lot with AA for about six or eight months, um, and then, I don't know, I guess I had some sort of an epiphany and realized that drinking really was my problem and I wanted to get sober. And I threw myself at AA and I, I felt very desperate and um, they were all talking about God and everything. So I was like, okay, you know, if that's the price I have to pay, okay, you know. So um, I started really looking into God, mm-hmm. if you will, and um, became quite curious. I was reading books uh, by, um, I forget the author's name, he's quite popular around there, uh, but about spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. And somebody suggested that I might read the Bible, mm-hmm. something I had never done. Uh, they, they said I had contempt prior to investigation. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I'll read the Bible. And um, it was, it was, I found it to be quite horrific. Um, I couldn't imagine how people actually believed all this stuff, Sure. but I had committed to reading it. So I kept going. I got to a place somewhere in the new Testament where it said that God was love. Mm-hmm. And those three words, God is love just hit me like a brick. And, you know, the, there was the light bulb over my head and everything, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, okay, there it is. There's my higher power. Uh, I don't need God. I closed the book and put it down and never picked it up again. I was off and around and I, I found my higher power, which I today I still call uh, love. And, um, and that's kind of how I went at it. And uh, you know, that was a probably about a two-year struggle in the beginning. Uh, I can even remember going to um, 
study groups about the Lord's Prayer. And although all the people there were A members, mm-hmm. it wasn't considered an A meeting. That's interesting. A, a study group specifically about the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. Hmm. And we were... We were analyzing this thing, I mean, word by word. I mean, the, the first the first week, it was our father. Okay, mm-hmm. what does that mean? I mean... <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you can, you can imagine my desperation mm-hmm. is, is studying the Lord's Prayer in, in such detail. But anyway, um, that's how I kind of got to AA and... I realized that, you know, I really was an atheist. I, I wasn't going to believe in God. That wasn't going to happen, in, in spite of the fact that I tried as much as possible. For many years, in a, for the first, you know, half a dozen years, I really felt like an outsider. And I was, I was going through my original big book, which is the 76th edition. Mm-hmm. And I have notes and stuff like that, and most of it is in the fourth chapter. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I can see that I'm struggling with this notion of spirituality. And I was, I was trying to figure this out. Okay, you know, as an atheist, how do I get this stuff they get? And I don't think I ever really, really figured it out until. I'm not sure what year it was, probably around 87, 88. A guy came to this meeting and said that uh, he was a member of the We Agnostics group that met on Friday night. Hmm. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, after the meeting, I I almost tackled the guy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you got to tell me about this. And... So he was telling me about this meeting on Friday nights in Boca Raton, Florida, uh, called We Agnostics. And so, of course, that Friday I went to the meeting. I was all hyped up about um, actually what I wanted to do. I was expecting what I was expecting to do at the meeting was a lot of God bashing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was kind of angry that this God guy made it so difficult for me to get sober. Right. I wanted to do some bashing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, that didn't happen. In fact, the first meeting I went to, the, the discussion subject was gratitude, mm-hmm. and I was so pissed off. <laughs> How dare you talk about gratitude? I've heard more meetings about gratitude than you can shake a stick at. I continued going to that meeting uh, for like, 25 years, and mm-hmm. I stopped going to AA, or normal AA. Right. Um, and that was the last time I looked at the big book also. Wow. Uh, at this meeting, you know, there were a lot, of, there was a variety of people. Uh, some were, were very radical and hated AA and wanted nothing to do with the big book. Mm-hmm. Others were interpreting, interpreting it for themselves. Sure. Like myself, mm-hmm. I was doing that. And like you, I didn't find it very hard to read around all these yeah. things you know, and, and, and look for the, the deeper meaning. Uh-huh. I think most, most of the people that went there were, were, were like that, you know, but a lot of them were like in the middle. They weren't sure if they mm-hmm. wanted this or not, you mm-hmm. know. So anyway, fast forward. You know, 25 years, and I retired, and my wife and I moved up to this 
uh, rural community, and it was nothing like my old we agnostics meeting. So I started going to normal AA again because I was like 60 miles away from the old the old meeting. Mm-hmm. It was it was a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> um, but. It was also good because I hadn't been to normal AA for so long. I was getting back into it, and I was seeing what it was like. Uh, I was hearing more about the big book. I was, unfortunately, hearing more about God and all yeah. this sort of stuff. But I was, I'd been around long enough. I'd been sober long enough where it wasn't a significant problem. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I found one place that had a lot of old timers, a lot of guys that had more sobriety than me, which was very important to me because I hate being the, I don't know what you want to call it. The, I don't, I don't want to say the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> the, the person the with the guy most, with the most sobriety. sobriety. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not interested in being looked up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more interested in learning. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I I stuck with this meeting, and I still go there on Monday nights. Um, but I was seeing a lot of dysfunction in it, um, and I heard about a agnostic meeting that wasn't too far away, about twenty miles away. And I went down there, and these people were. I mean, they were like coming off the walls. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who these people were. They called themselves AA. It didn't, the meeting didn't look anything like AA. They didn't mm-hmm. talk about AA. Uh, half the time, they weren't even talking about drinking. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is this? This is, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, there was as much dysfunction there, if not more, mm-hmm. than what I was seeing in normal AA. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this isn't right. You know, there's there's no reason why an atheist or an agnostic shouldn't be able to just go to AA and, and be welcomed sure. and all these kind of things that we, we seek. And it was about the same time that I started investigating the Internet and social media and stuff like that. And the first thing, well, I realized that... that I'm not explaining it. You know, it's kind of like, I felt like we needed something. Local agnostic AA people needed something. And I, I wasn't sure exactly what. So I started looking around the internet and, and I found somebody told me about AA Agnostica. In fact, it was, um, a guy at the, uh, local AA intergroup office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with with the name Marnin. He was he was one of the people that wrote a story oh, in yeah. the Grapevine yeah, yeah, yeah. issue That's back right. in October. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lifelong atheist from New York. Has been down here for a long time. And I happened to stop in the intergroup and actually, quite honestly, I, I was looking for a gay AA meeting because mm-hmm. I felt that they would be more welcoming mm-hmm. to a non-believer. Yeah. And I just felt they'd be more progressive. Mm-hmm. So I went there to get a where and when, and I started talking to Martin who manned the phones there. Mm-hmm. And he told me about this AA agnostica 
website. Mm-hmm. So I went there and I emailed Roger something or another, asking him some questions about what I'm not, I forget. Mm-hmm. But he came back with um, a suggestion that I join this uh, a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the the Watch Central Coffee House. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, there's all these people. Mm-hmm. I had no idea all you people existed. Yeah. Here I'd been going to agnostic meetings for 25 years and had no idea it was happening everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I kind of felt like it was kind of like a new age of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there was all these uh, secular people coming together mm-hmm. and rediscovering sobriety yeah. and sharing ideas and and all this stuff and getting away from all the old uh, religions and traditions and uh, all those things that put so much constraint on, mm-hmm. on thinking. Well, you know, what's interesting, Dale, is, um, you know, you were you were going to Agnostic AA for like 25 years. And so it's been it's been around forever. I mean, it's been around since 1975 anyway. So. Um, what I what I learned from talking to Pam W, who was one of the founders of um, uh, Waftiak, um, she said that when she and Dorothy were in L.A. in Hollywood going to their meeting, the We Agnostics group there, they had no idea that there were other agnostic groups a- around the country, <laughs> and they were sitting around wondering. They, they'd have these newcomers come to their meeting, and they would, t- and the newcomers would talk about how much they liked it. And Pam and and Dorothy would ask ask one another if if they if they could possibly be the only group like that. And so they started looking, and they found that all these other groups, Chicago, Toronto, you know, all over the place. And uh, so. It, as it turns out, all these we were we were so desperate. We had groups in Florida, we had groups in New York, we had groups in Chicago, we had groups in L.A. But they didn't really connect with each other. They didn't know about one another. So that convention brought them all together. And then after the convention, we got into the um, the social media together. And ever since then, it's just been like you said, it's been a renaissance of, of AA. You know, so many of us have gotten so excited, and that's why all these meetings, you know, start growing from there too. The the yeah. So yeah, it's in fact, now I have one uh, here uh, about well, it's about eight ten miles away that just got started last year, and so I, I I've got another wing six meeting to go to. It mm-hmm. you know the, the the growth of it is is almost ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, you know, before the internet, we had no idea. Communications mm-hmm. were slow. Trying to find you know, like-minded yeah. people in other places was yeah. was this side of impossible. Any time I traveled, I, w- I might go to a a meeting, but it would just be a normal meeting. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'd never ran into any other agnostic meetings, but um, now that communication is so much easier, um, it just it's exploding. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're we're finding out that that all these other people exist, and and people are finding out know, it, it's just this watershed of of secular thinking in AA, and we're you know it is it, so heartwarming to know that you're all out there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you know we don't have to be alone anymore. You know, no. so getting back to the big book, when you um you started going back to agnostic AA again. 
And is this when you decided that you wanted to take a second look at the big book? Or I'll tell you what happened. At, at my uh, normal AA meeting on Monday night, a guy came in and he uh, made an announcement about a new clubhouse that was down in this town just south of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not a AA club kind of person. I've always kind of avoided them, but I was in the area one day and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to drive by and see where this place is, what it looks like. So I stopped and I looked in the window and I was like, oh my God, there's people in there. (laughs) (laughs) And the door was open, so I I went in and found myself in a big book meeting. Mm -hmm. And I sat down quietly and listened, and I thought, well, okay, this is great. And there was a guy from my Monday meeting that was there. He's a, he's an old-timer. He just celebrated his 50th fiftieth uh, year of sobriety. Mm-hmm. And I, I have always enjoyed what he has to say. He's very calm and, 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 and very serene, and, and I just enjoy him. Uh, and he was there, and we talked a little bit, and he said he was – you know, a regular. And so I decided to go back just because he was there. And I dusted off my old big book and went to the meeting next week. Mm-hmm. Um, they started reading, and I, I forget where they were at, but uh, obviously they weren't in the first 164 because mm-hmm. they were reading something different. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were on a different page and it was, anyway, it was different. And so I asked about that and they were like, oh, we're uh, reading from the fourth edition. Uh-huh. And I was like, really? <laughs> they got a new edition. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, and that, I mean, that's how isolated I was from mm-hmm. normal. I, I, I was like 12 years late finding out that they had a new edition of the big book. And I was quite excited to buy this new edition and and see what the differences was. You know, so I I brought one home and I was, you know, the first thing I did when I got home was just sit at the table and start comparing. Mm Mm-hmm. I found myself quite disappointed because the the meat of the book hadn't changed at all. Yeah. Yeah, they had a forward to the fourth edition and they had different stories. Um none of the stories were written by atheists. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's one guy who uh says he's agnostic but he's not sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um but I thought Damn it, you know, they, they had a chance to fix this thing. And they didn't do anything. They, they, you know, they, they totally dropped the ball, I think. <laughs> or yeah. I thought. I still believe they do. They did. But, you know, and, and, and I was really quite angry about it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and that's when I decided that, you know, seeing all of the dysfunction in AA and in the agnostic groups, uh, and this book that, that refuses to change, mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I need to write a book. And <laughs> so I, I started and I didn't know, I didn't even know what I was going to write. You know, I, um, so I got back into the big book and, and quite honestly, I got to tell you, I feel that the big book is, is a very important text. Mm-hmm. And now that I've, you know, read it several times here recently, I see things very differently than I did 30 years ago. Yeah. 
and I, I really enjoy this this new perspective that I have. You know, I think it's a more mature perspective, and um, I'm, I'm finding I, I'm finding more value to it today than, in spite of the fact that it hasn't changed. Sure, um, I find more value in it today than I ever did. So why do you uh, think it's you know, why do you when think I was young and desperate? Why do you think it's important? Well, because it it lays out the program of AA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are there are several different programs, if right. you will, to get sober. You know, AA is not the 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 only thing. Sure, but it's one of those things. Right, and this is the program of AA. And, and, right. And if this is what you want, then you should be reading this book to find right. out what they're suggesting you do. Now, here's the trick. Uh, I agree with you on that. I think that I think it's important for two reasons. Number one, you're right. The program is in this book. If you want to, if you want to go through the steps, this is a good. This is what you want to read. You and the twelve and twelve too. I would say, but this is this is what you want to read. But also to um, understand the history behind. Um, the fellowship and Alcoholics Anonymous and the culture of AA. You should know the book. Um, sure. w- what I would caution people though is um, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are really dogmatic about the book. They don't want to change it. I don't want to change it, but I want to keep it in the context of its time and and respect that and respect the people who wrote it. Because they wrote it for their generation. They wrote it for for their times. That doesn't mean that it's useless for us in our times, but it doesn't mean that we have to swallow it whole either. And the people who wrote it some 80 years ago, they wouldn't want us to. Yeah. I'm not sure that the, the original authors intended it for it to be completely unchanged yeah. forever. No, I agree with you. Uh, you know, and, and if they were here today, I think they would look back and say, yeah, you know, for the time it was written, it was a wonderful text. Uh-huh. And, you know, and they, they, they probably look at it and go, how the hell did we ever write such a good book? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, kind of amazing themselves looking back at it. Yeah. Uh, but then they would also say, but it, but it's, it's not current. It, it doesn't speak to the newcomer anymore. Right. You know, when 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 you, when you start a chapter with uh, the words "our women folk," right? You know, <laughs> what what does that say? Right. You know, we, I mean, if if, I know. if I was a, a strong feminist with those words, I'd be tossing it in the oh, trash. Yeah. Well, what's funny you know? too is you know, in AA, uh, the General Service Conference does update its its um, service manual to have more modern language. And they did this not too long ago. I was at an area assembly where our um, delegate came back from New York and he talked about some changes that were made to the service, um, the general service um, manual and the language, what they were changing was the way that women were being referred to as, as, um, as just being helpers in the office or secretaries and that kind of thing, you know, and they, they had, they, it was sexist language. They had to, they had to get rid of, you know, and they did that. But they aren't going to do that in the big book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you read the chapter to the wives uh-huh. and, and you realize just how misogynistic all right. this is, you know, it's 
I don't mean to be critical uh-huh. uh, because the ones that wrote that back then, they, they didn't know right. Right. that women could be alcoholics. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, That's the, the thing. The man was the breadwinner. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a different time. It was and, and they wrote yeah. that. And, but today, it just doesn't apply anymore. No. So, you know, to, to hold this book as historical is important. Yes, I agree. But to but to update it and and to make it uh, speak to newcomers, yeah, I think is 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 critical. And and the the longer they uh, don't do it, I think they're I think they're killing people. Yeah, I do too. Quite honestly, it's, it's ridiculous. It's horrible when younger people. Um, I mean. In my generation, I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I, I was born, um, years after this book was written, but, but I was kind of familiar with that kind of verbiage and that kind of language, you know. It wasn't that far from the 1950s, I guess. So when I was a kid growing up, I might have read things written in the 40s and the 50s. So it wasn't that unusual to me. But someone that's coming, coming into the program now who might be 25 or 30 years old, this is like this is ridiculous reading. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it is. It's nothing. It they, it's it, nothing it, they've it, ever it. ever encountered. Yeah, and, and you know, unfortunately, uh, I think those that do get into the program and get past it are exceptional. Uh, the ones that are secular and 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 find us, you know, our meeting, they pretty much reject it. Mm-hmm. They do, and they go, "Okay, this is trash." Yeah. Because we criticize it all the time. We do, and we and I and just did. they go, okay, well, I don't know what that is, but I'm pretty sure it's not for me. Right. So they ignore it, and and all they get, the only experience they have, is whatever is shared at meetings. Right. And I think that's a shame, quite honestly. I I see a lot of well, I don't go to a lot of agnostic meetings, no. but I feel like. A lot of them are going in a direction that is 180 degrees away from AA. Well, here's why, though. And the book doesn't work for us. When uh, here's the thing: the book doesn't work for us when if we're if we're if we're reading it literal if we're reading it as if it is as if it must be followed. If we were to study it as literature in the context of its time and draw from it and put it in co- in our own context then it would be useful for us. But but I think what happens, a lot of us who are going to agnostic meetings came from traditional AA, and we, we may have been getting beat up by this book, and then by the time we get into our tradition, our, our agnostic groups, we don't want anything to do with it. I mean, it, we, it'd be really difficult for us at a meeting where we have people that come to our group who've either been harmed by religion or maybe harassed by... Um, AA <laughs> or whatever, and, and to have to read this. But I do think it's possible for us, secular atheists, agnostics, free thinkers, whatever, to study the thing. And I and I kind of like your I like your idea of a study guide to help people do that. Yeah, but you know what? I, I think that's a wonderful idea. You know, having a, a like a workbook thing where you can compare what I've done to the big book and all this sort of thing. But if I'm really honest with myself, I have to believe that people aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, people they 
just just give it to me. Don't right. make me study. Don't make me work for this. Right. Just just give it to me. And part of it too <laughs> is it's really difficult. I mean, when I went through this thing from a from a new perspective, it wasn't difficult for me to interpret it in a secular way because I had spent 25 years reading it, you know, and I'd spent all yeah. that time in AA, so I was I was already immersed in in um, AA culture. So it wasn't difficult for me. But a newcomer, it would be very, very difficult for them. If, if you don't understand AA history, if you haven't studied the book or worked the steps or gone through the program, whatever, it's going to be really difficult for you to do it. Um, yeah, and, 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 that's why and they're I think coming that, in with different attitudes towards religion today, right. too. That's true, too. You know, a lot of people, I mean, I'm 67. Mm-hmm. A lot of people uh, around my age grew up with religion. We kind of get it. We understand it. We We know why people do it and all this. We may have rejected it, but a lot of these newer people have not grown up with religion. My children haven't grown up with religion. Right. You know, they're in their 30s now. And a prime age for coming into AA. And so when these new people come into AA today, they see this and they go, huh, you know, I guess that doesn't apply to me. And they reject it. And, and, and that's a shame because... They do that with the big book. They do it with the steps. When they see the steps on the wall covered with God, they... Reject them yeah. right because it's hard. It's hard, to use, it. it's hard to use your imagination and say, "Okay, how can I apply that to to my worldview?" You know, instead you just look at it and say, "Oh, that's ridiculous." You know, I'm just no god that's going right. to do anything for me. Um, but you know what? Right. what you, the bottom you just line. Get very critical about it, and you know, and so so many of these people they they need something else, and that's why I wrote this book, and that's why I just. When I found out that the first 164 pages were in the in the public domain, mm-hmm. I went, "Hey, I'm going to rewrite it. I'm not waiting for general services, right, or or a world services to change this. You know, we're people are dying. We we need something. You know, that that these people can read and and actually think it applies to them. Yeah, yeah." So, how, what kind of approach do you take with with your um, with your book? Um, how, how do you wh- how do you take people through it? Well, uh, in rewriting the 164 pages, well, you don't get the full 164 because the first part of it is Bill's story, mm-hmm. and I have no interest in changing Bill's story. Right, it's his story. I have my story. I wouldn't want anybody to change mine either. Right. So you only get 137 pages. Right. But I don't want to take a radical step away from what the text, the original text is. And in fact, I probably use 90% of the original text. And I just change things around a little bit so that when they talk about God or whatever, that it says it in a way that makes sense to secular people. Mm-hmm. You know, I left in all the references to spiritual mm-hmm. things because I'm not that fond of the term, mm-hmm. but it has become something very different to so many different people. Mm-hmm. The, the, the definition of it has broadened tremendously. Mm-hmm. I decided, okay, I'm going to leave this in, mm-hmm. you know, because it, if, if I take it out, it's going to, uh, eliminate a lot of people who like it. Uh, and I think that, 
what I've done, you know, even if you're a radical, free-thinking atheist, mm -hmm. intellectual that wants nothing to do with all this stuff and thinks it's silly, mm -hmm. you're going to appreciate what I've done much more than what <laughs> you would the original text. Uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's something that you can read and, and think it actually applies to you. Right. And I also took the opportunity to remove all the, uh, the gender issues, okay. you know, the misogynistic, paternalistic attitudes uh -huh. that it has. And, and, and tried to keep it general, gender neutral. Uh huh. Uh, of course, you know, if you're into Bill's story, if you're sure. talking about, that, that section that speaks about uh, how Bill found Bob and mm -hmm. they found the third guy and the mm -hmm. fourth guy. Uh, we leave all that the way it is because they're talking about specific individuals right, right. and there's no reason to change their gender. Right. But to talk my about chapter, the alcoholic and the wife <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> my, my, my chapter, Two Wives, uh -huh. has been retitled Two Spouses. Yeah. 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 And, you know, so that it's women can read it also and say, hey, this applies to me. You know, it's not just a bunch of macho assholes writing, you know, about stuff, stuff that doesn't apply. I think you could do the same thing, too, with um, the belief part when it comes to non-believers and believers. I think that, like, for example, I when I went through this, I rewrote the chapter to the agnostics, and I wrote it in a way that it could be used by both the non-believer and the believer. So, in other words, I, I wrote it as a real agnostic, and I would say, okay, we honor and respect the belief, the um, the experience of those who believe, or yes. whatever. But this is our experience. And what you find, what I find anyway, when I look at the big book, is the only difference is the belief. The action is the same. And all the belief is, is, is what you think the, is empowering you to do those things, right? Right. And, and honestly, <laughs> those beliefs are irrelevant. They're irrelevant. That and, drives and, me crazy. And, and that's how I, I sort of take the, 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 the rewriting is, is right down the middle of the road. If, if you were the Pope, you could read this and go, wow, that makes good sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, or if you were uh, a radical atheist, you could read it and say, yeah. hmm, that makes good sense. If you talk about the, what you do, if you talk about the actions, th this, is how I see the, this is how I see the whole program, really. It's experience and action. Belief is immaterial. Exactly. Yeah. You can believe, yeah. I guess. I mean, I guess I have a belief. My belief is that... Um, it's other people in AA that help, that empower me, I guess, that support me, that 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 help make it easier for me to do these things. So if you want to call that a, quote, higher power, that's fine. But so what? Um, someone else might think that Jesus Christ is that power that helps make it easier for them to do that. So what? The bottom line is both of us are doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I do with the book is that besides rewriting those first 164, is that I break down the two facets of the program or, or of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, what I consider the fellowship and the program. Yeah. You know, two different facets. Yeah. I'm, just, of I'm starting to make that distinction now, too. I'm starting to get it. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the fellowship, is, to, to me, is more important than the program. Yeah. 
you know, um, when AA I was is drinking, a fellowship with a program is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. When I was drinking, I, I had no friends. I, I was a prick, <laughs> <laughs> quite honestly. And, and my friends had deserted me. You know, I, I sit in meetings. I hear people talk about how when they stop drinking, their drinking buddies stop coming around anymore. Mm-hmm. I, and I've always thought I lost my drinking buddy way before I ever did. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody wanted to drink with me anymore. Yeah, but it was very important to me to find this fellowship. I cherish it. You know, I, I, on Mondays before I go to my, my AA meeting, I have dinner with four or five guys and then we go to the meeting. And I think it's more important that I go to that dinner than to the meeting. You know, just yeah. To have yeah. that, yeah. that, you know, that social part of it. Uh, you know that sense of belonging. It's the same thing that, that uh, religious people do. You know, I know people that aren't religious and they go to church because they want that sense of belonging. That's right. So they just go and kind of pretend because it feels good. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, so you know, I lay that out and I explain how that works and what what the benefits of fellowship are and, and how you can make that work for you. Mm-hmm. And then I also go into the program, the 12 steps, how it works. You know, the, this is what we do. And I know that a lot of people in secular AA don't get that program thing. You know, it's not a moral problem. Some reject it completely. It's a moral right. problem. You know, so it shouldn't have a moral answer. Right. Well, my argument is that you know, it may not have a moral answer, but... If I become a better person, I feel better about myself, and it makes it easier for me to stay sober because I don't need to hide my reality anymore. Right. You know, I don't need to drown myself in booze because and and lie to the bartender about who I am because I don't like myself. Right. You know, when you start locking yourself a little bit, it, it makes sobriety so much easier. Yeah. So there's that component. I thought it was brilliant, actually, when, um, like I told you when I, when I started out, when, when I was very first getting sober, I was shocked that I was lying to myself for so many years because I, w- I was this guy who said I couldn't get it all under control. That just totally denied I had a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I was, it, it really frightened me that I could lie to myself and deceive myself to such an extent. So for me, the self-honesty in, in uh, the steps was really important. And to get to to get down to to be really honest with myself in steps four and five, that was just really important because I don't I, I, I needed to I need to know the truth about myself. That was just I you know, maybe some people don't need that. But for me, it, it got me yeah. centered. And plus, I also think Absolutely. the whole idea of. You know, I drank. I, I I buy what the I believe what Doctor Silkworth said. I, I buy that. I drank because I liked the way it made me feel. I drank for the effect, and I drank because I, I needed to change the way I felt. And there were there were there were things there was something emotionally going on with me, and I think the steps kind of help uncover that emotional stuff. Um, you know, I go back into my life and I talk to another human being about it and I realize that, you know, I'm not alone. I'm not different. I, I, you know, it just, it just makes a huge difference for me. 
But I guess I can respect people for whom that isn't so important, but I thought it was pretty brilliant. So. You know, every one of us comes to this sobriety thing in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, we all take a little bit of this and that. And whatever works for you is what you should do. That's right. And so, you know, I don't, I don't mean to push AA or the program or the fellowship, but I want to explain that it works for me mm-hmm. and that here it is. You know, this is what AA is. You know, if, if, if you're not interested in AA, there's no reason to be here. But, you know, there's other programs, you know, you can go to SOS and all yeah. sorts of stuff, you know. But, um, I mean, I, I've got a brother that has been sober for about 25 years and he's never stepped foot in AA. Mm-hmm. He just decided that he was done and he was done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe he didn't need the program because he was already a nice guy. Right. So tell me, I don't know. What do you plan for your book? Is it is it done? I mean, I read I read um I think the first the first incarnation of it. I didn't read your revised version yet. Oh. Um but do you have it? Are you are you happy with it now where it, where you've got it? Uh I am. Um I I've, I've kind of been putting the final touches on it this afternoon actually. Uh-huh. And um I will probably uh you know, it, it's it's got to run through the editor. Right. You know, I, uh, because I probably didn't catch all the oh, E's yeah. and the M's and the. Yeah, you definitely need that. Yeah. The husband and the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, you it's. know, I actually, you know, uh, changing the, the God part was easy. Mm-hmm. I, once I started doing all the, the, uh, gender stuff i was like oh my god i you know i i wasn't even paying attention before yeah but when you actually start looking at it it's like wow you know and and so i'm sure that i missed some of the the all the all those uh gender issues you know and so i you know it has to go you know go through the editing Mm -hmm. process you know one more time Mm -hmm. and then uh, i have some stories that i'm some some secular stories that I'm mm-hmm. going to put on the back of it, mm-hmm. uh, just like the big book, mm-hmm. and then we're going to put it to the publisher. Good. Well, yeah. that's so I would suspect that by the summer it'll it'll be available. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. That's exciting. Have you written a book before? Um, I haven't written an entire book. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since I found the computer. Um, I, I was a businessman and I had my own business and I was kind of forced into the computer back in the nineties. Yeah. And I found out that, um, I enjoy writing mm-hmm. mainly because I get to correct myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you, you know, you, you have a conversation with somebody and yeah. the next day you go, damn, I should have said that. <laughs> yeah. If only I'd have said this, that would have put him in his place. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a writer, you get to do that. Yeah. You, know, you get to correct yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can, you can fine tune your words. Mm-hmm. You can do all that wordsmithing and, mm-hmm. and make it exactly the way you want it before mm-hmm. somebody sees it. Right. So I, I really do enjoy it and I, I sort of get lost in it. Um, I've, I've written some short stories. I've written some poetry. Uh, but 
this nonfiction thing is uh, something new to me. Mm-hmm. Everything else was fiction mm-hmm. or kind of biographical, if you mm-hmm. will. So this is a little new to me, but it, it's been an absolute joy doing it. And quite honestly, I know that when I get done with it, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. Well, I look forward for it being ready, um, you know, and we'll have you back on again to talk about it when it's ready and to, you know, have it featured on the site. And uh, I'm sure that you'll it'll be on Amazon and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. And yeah. it's something that's I, I think is is needed, and um, people are looking for it. Actually, I mean, that, I, there's a lot of people, you know, uh, that that come to an agnostic meeting or, or they're a non-believer, and they they want they want the experience of the program and of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's difficult for them to try to figure out on their own. And and a book like that is is really very useful. So you know, I think it's a good thing. I think yeah. it will help a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it's timely and I hope it, it, it's appreciated. Um, I, I I did it because I, I feel that there's a lot of newcomers that, that need to have more exposure to the big book. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I hope I'm accomplishing. Okay. I think you, I think you will. And I agree with you. Well, thank you, Dale. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Well, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure myself. All right. Take care. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon enough with another episode for your listening pleasure. Until then, don't drink, go to meetings, and help others.